You may remember that in episode 50, we talked to Brittany Phillips to preview a high seas analog mission, which she was just about to go on. Well, it's 10 weeks later, and we've decided to find out how it went and get a full debrief. Yes, Brittany is back from Mars, and I can't wait to hear all about it. Please continue to get in touch with your thoughts on what we're up to. We're at Space and Things 1 on Twitter and at Space and Things Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, or leave a review on your podcast platform. And don't forget to hit that share button. It does really help us out. But right now, enjoy episode 60 of the Space and Things podcast. You're listening to Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to episode 60 of our podcast. I'm back again with a sore voice, having just finished eight gigs in five days. But alas, the show must go on. But at the start, I just want to say, Emily, is it just me, or does it seem like everyone is releasing a book right now? Yes! Yeah, Al Warden and Francis French have a new book, uh, The Light of Earth, which uh, is amazing. I've actually read that one, and it's beautiful. Uh, I've actually also read, uh, I spent the whole, I spent like all night, Saturday night, finishing up a a long voyage to the moon. The Ron Evans book. The Ron Evans Ah, book. Yes. I have been, it's by Jeffrey Bowman, I think is how his name's pronounced. And I've been waiting for this for like years and it really lived up to the hype. Uh, it's beautiful and it made me cry because I'm like, man, I wish I could invite Ron on the show because Ron Evans would have been awesome as a guest. I wish he was still around. He he seemed like genuinely the nicest person. So everybody's got to read this book. It's it's it was worth the wait. Um, Eileen Collins and Jonathan Ward have their new book that we uh we just interviewed them last week about it. And Nicole Stott, who we interviewed a few weeks back, also has her new book, Back to Earth, which I have not gotten a chance to read it, but I, I just got a copy of it. I've ordered all those books and they've not arrived yet because obviously UK, but the one that has arrived for me is the Apollo Murders, the Chris Hadfield oh, wow. book. Uh, so th- he's done a he's done a alternate history book kind of thing, hasn't he? Oh wow! Um, so yeah, and he has the craziest signature ever. I don't know if you can see it. Oh wow! Yeah, I do see it. It looks sort of like kind of definitely Hallows they- Harry Potter vibe to it. Yeah, but- it does. Oh my god, that's so funny. I've been curious to read it. Uh, I'm like, is is Chris Hadfield done a murder and he's just leaving clues in the open now? Or what is going on? Like, have you read any of it yet? Because I'm like, I haven't, I haven't had a chance. Okay. To, I, I arrived the other day and I've been super uh, all the gigs, super busy. But um, understand, yeah, I'm curious to read it because I'm like, I love alternate histories, and I'm like, hmm, the Apollo murders. Okay, what's going on here? Is he exactly. Just putting- <laughs> is he just like I killed somebody and he's put it right out in the open I'm joke. I'm joking Chris Hadfield <laughs> so yeah I, I'm guessing it's all gearing up for Christmas and and, uh, and and trying to get people excited to buy books for Christmas and uh, I'll put links well I'll just put a list of all those books in the show notes you can go and find them yeah. yourselves but uh, if anyone else has knows of new books that are coming out that we've missed please let us know um, but yeah I'm hoping hoping I get those uh those books soon because I, I really want to read the Ron Evans one and, and the Al Wilden one because uh, obviously yeah. the follow up to Fall Into Earth which is just incredible here's a here's a minor spoiler for the Al Warden one I do show up in the book briefly oh, nice so, nice I, I do have to admit I've read it a, I've read it a couple times since I've gotten it because I want to write an article about it and it just it, it just will remind you of 
how loved and missed he is. That's all. Mm. But I won't spoil it too much. Wonderful. It's wonderful. Wonderful. It's wonderful. Well, yeah, book time, book time. So uh, anyway, let's uh, let's crack on. And from every window, we have a really spectacular view of the Earth, and as, as well as the uh, what surprised me, the real, real blackness of space. I don't think I've ever seen black as it is out here. So, as we said in the intro, it's been 10 weeks since we interviewed Brittany Phillips just before she left to go to Hawaii to join the Valoria 3 crew to partake in a High Seas Analog Mission to Mars. Uh, Just a little reminder that High Seas stands for the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation, and they perform both Moon and Mars Analog missions, and it's run by the International Moon Space Alliance. I'm sure many of you followed this mission on social media. Well, if you follow us on Twitter, then we were retweeting most of the updates, so you would have seen those updates. But do go and listen to episode 50 if you haven't done so already to find out what Britney was was going to be doing. Uh, but now she's back. We really want to know what it was like to be living on Mars for two weeks. When you were a little girl growing up in Akron, Ohio, did you say, gee, I'd like to be an astronaut someday? No, I really didn't think about it until about four years ago when NASA announced that they were looking for astronauts who would be uh, engineers and scientists on the space shuttle. And it was accidental that I heard about it, and I just took a chance and applied. Let's just go right into the interview. So, Brittany, uh, thank you so much for joining us once again. And let's get uh, straight in because we've been dying to know, how was your mission? Oh, it was incredible. Um you hear those things and you're like, oh yeah, was it really life changing? This definitely was. And in, in some of the ways that I wouldn't have originally thought of, you know, Emily, you can kind of relate with your uh, Navy experience, but kind of that camaraderie. uh, It was so nice to have that again. There were five of us and that's all we had for these two weeks. And uh, luckily we became really, really close. Uh, there were no issues or none of that, no personalities clashing. Uh, and so I really got to experience some of that camaraderie again that I haven't um, since I left the Air Force. I have four incredible uh, and talented friends that I look forward to getting to see again soon. And we're, of course, we've already planned meeting up again <laughs> and taking all these trips and stuff uh, together. But by far, with anything, I would say the best part of it was the people that I got to experience it with. Fantastic. You're sounding like Alan Bean there. (laughs) I mean, it is because I've never been to Hawaii before. I've never gotten to do anything like this before. And so while the experience was all new, getting to share it with incredible people that are not only extremely talented, but are just so kind and compassionate, like, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Yeah. And there's no guarantee you're going to get on with everyone, is there, when you when you do these things? So that's oh, a real no. bonus. That's an absolute bonus. Yeah. Well, and as y'all know, we had a little bit of a hiccup right before our mission started. Um, but honestly, I think that brought us even closer together to where, you know, we, we started off already kind of trusting each other a little bit more and... Um, just already kind of having that mutual respect for one another. Yeah, I can see that being really important. For those who are listening who don't know what the hiccup was, uh, there was supposed to be someone else on the crew and he got dropped about a week before they were due to leave because he put some inappropriate tweets up about his crew members. 
idiot. Anyway, when you're doing these kind of things, and I know this from my own projects, when you're in an enclosed space uh, with a small group of people for a number of people time, even if you get on really well, there are still obviously highs and lows. So was it all good or were there some lows? Um, for me personally, it wasn't all good, but it really had nothing to do with experiences that were happening there. Being a mom and having kids and having my husband at home, being a single dad while I'm gone and, you know, email being the only form of communication we have for everything. I was still getting all the emails from the school saying your kid had a potential COVID exposure. And so kind of realizing that life went on, even though I wasn't at home, you know, even though my husband and I had talked about this before we had made this decision together. Uh, just having some of that guilt. And I, like I said before, I, I've been away for multiple things with the military and, and all of that. But I think really just kind of being isolated and not being able to hear anybody's voice kind of made it sink in a little bit more. Of course, because we forget that we've all got mobile phones these days. So we can still hear each other's voices normally, even if we're far apart. In this situation, you weren't able to. So absolutely, it can see where you're coming from there. Did the whole experience give you a new appreciation for what the astronauts are doing on the International Space Station with their long duration missions and uh, what they have to go through for that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, they're gone for six months at a time. And, you know, luckily they are able to have uh, a little bit more communication because they're in you know, low Earth orbit, but still you have calm blackouts and you have, you know, your busy daily schedule that you have. So it definitely provided a lot more respect. And, and honestly, I got a lot more respect for my husband because <laughs> he went through so much while I was gone, you know, not just with the kids, you know, being a chauffeur and a bus driver. Uh, we closed on a house while I was gone. It's so he had to sign for me. He moved for us. And so uh, I definitely got a, a good one. So shout out to Brett. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we spoke, you talked about some of the experiments you were going to run uh, during your, your mission, uh, such as the hydrogen fuel cell experiment. Tell us a little bit how um, how your, you know, the experiments went and, you know, just sort of um, I'm going to try to roll two questions into one. You know, how, what was it like to do uh, EVAs, you know, and things like that? What was it like to do spacewalks and where? We're a spacesuit. Um, yeah, they fit perfectly together because uh, pretty much most of my research I had to do uh, while on an EVA. Yeah, my hydrogen fuel cell, it was awesome. I first started out with, um, you know, getting it set up and getting it uh, working and testing it. Um, we had two windows in the hab. And so I put it in the lab's window. That way it was kind of out of the way of everybody. Uh, just to kind of see if if I had a functioning fuel cell uh, and all that. And then, yeah, the first EVA that I got to take it out on, I just set it up right as we went outside. And within a couple minutes, it was working really well. Got some video of me uh, working on that with my GoPro, kind of walking through, explaining it to my students. And then uh, I got to bring it in and set it up uh, and test it with a breadboard 
um, so small circuit to show that this was water. I put it in the sunlight and this is what happened. And it it's provided the energy to run these. Um, it was just little LED lights, but just showing it in, in, a, in a unique way and, and being able to test it. And that's already a technology that's being used on Mars. Uh, not so much the hydrogen fuel cell, but the solar panels, the solar arrays, because you know, that's what recharges the batteries on like the rovers and stuff like that. So we can utilize technologies that are already in place for some new applications, especially to help with long duration missions uh, and human missions as well. And you just mentioned it there uh, that one of your driving forces behind doing this, and you mentioned this in the first interview, was your students and trying to inspire them. How have they received what you did and what you've brought back from there, the lessons that you've brought back from uh, from the mission? Well, we're getting into the lessons right now, so we're just about to start that. But, um, you know, of course, as soon as I got back, they're all like, oh, tell us all about it. And, you know, I can't give it all away just once. I'll kind of leave them leave them waiting. So I'll give them little snippets here and there, show them videos here and there, you know, add in some little stories. But I got even more out of it for my students and for the applications than I could have ever imagined. On a daily basis, there were things from, you know, my engineering reports to um, EVA requests that are lessons that I teach in each one of my classes. And so being able to provide that firsthand experience in, in such a unique environment is really cool. And I'm, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It'll be going on. Um, but they are super excited and they know that we're getting into the energy unit and they know that it's, it's the, it's the Mars unit. Uh, <laughs> so they're pretty excited. I love that. That's so cool. God, that must be so exciting for them. Well, I'd be excited anyway. So, um, you talked a little bit about the delayed, you know, the communications back home, how you still got emails while the time, you know, you know, and you're still sort of dealing with stuff back home, even though you're gone for a few weeks, you know, and what did this experience like teach you about, you know, yourself? It showed me that I had strengths in areas where I didn't really think I did. Um, and, and one of those, um, oddly enough, is in the communication aspect and being able to communicate. Uh, I was not only able to communicate with my family and then doing the reports and stuff with Capcom, but with my students as well um, and help them with ongoing lessons and getting them set up uh, for success. And I was so fortunate that my really good friend, Jamie, uh, was my social media manager, I guess. So I'd email her stuff and she'd be posting it for me. And I would send her these random kind of like outside the box things that would come up. And one of them was one of my students is uh, one of my seniors wants to go to Purdue for Aero Astro. And I was like, oh, I need to get her in touch with somebody, an astronaut from, you know, that's, that's the where all the astronauts, well, not all the astronauts, yeah, but yeah. so many astronauts have gone <laughs> through the Purdue Aero Astro program. And so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking and I'm like, oh, who can I do? You know, who can I reach out to on Twitter? And um, she was actually able to help me get in touch with um, Sarisha Bengali from the Virgin Orbit launch. And so we've been communicating and 
Um, she's excited to talk to my student and help her with uh, the application process and, you know, just kind of talk about what it's like being a female aerospace student and, and all that stuff. And you did did that all while you were there. That's incredible. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I couldn't have done it without my support system back home. And that goes with everything, um, you know, where with my family, um, with my friends, with those helping with my students, uh, all of that. Um, it really shows that it, it, it's more than just what's happening on orbit or what's happening in space. Um, mm. It really takes a village. Oh, nice. Nice expression, that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> This is kind of a... Hang on a moment. Go on. Go on. I need to write that down. That's a lyric there. Right. Hang on a moment. That's a great expression. Cheers to that one. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) I have kind of a very obvious question, and I am somebody who's never been to Hawaii, and I hope to go someday, but the the pictures of of the area surrounding the habitat... You know, obviously, you made EVAs around... I mean, it just looked... It just looked exquisite. Can you describe the the sort of the landscape for me and why do you think they chose um that type of area for the mission it was incredible um it really did look otherworldly um there was hardly any life uh you'd find little bits and pieces of greenery and, and you know um plants trying to make life in the in the lava fields but uh, yeah, we were just completely surrounded by lava, couldn't see civilization at all. The the visual isolation aspect, that really played into it and really did make you feel. Um, and it was so cool getting to look outside. Um, the Our main window is like pointed straight at our Olympus Mons, and that was uh, Mauna Kea, the volcano. So, and we could even see the observatory on top, which was really cool. Nice. You know, not only is everything like black and red, but just that isolation. And and when you're out on an EVA and you're walking through this, like the terrain everywhere, we got to experience all the different types of lava flows uh, from the really nice smooth pohoihoi. That's what we tried to stay on and and walk because um, it was the smoother one. Uh, and then we had the Aa lava, which is, as Michaela explained it to us, and we realized very quickly, it's like going into a ball pit with a bunch of sharp, jagged rocks. <laughs> uh, so we stayed yeah. away from that as much as possible. And then we had cinder as well. And so cinder is from, you know, when the fissures or when you see the spewing lava to where air gets into it. And so it's very, very light. So you can have a huge, cinder rock uh and it and it's just you know super light light as piece of paper almost and uh so that was really cool and then we had all the lava tubes we got to go and um do an EDA in the lava tube and that was so unique you know we're going underneath the ground through these tubes where lava once flowed there's no light once you get down in there whatsoever other than the torch that you have and seeing microorganisms thriving in those areas and adapting uh, it. That was so cool. Um, We saw, uh, we called it space snow, but it was, (laughs) or um, 
I think it was like space cocaine or something. But we're going to go with space snow. We're going to go with space snow. Space snow. We're going to go with space snow. Um, but it was like this white powdery organism that was like on the ground and stuff. And it's just, it's something that's adapted to being in that type of environment. And that was, that was really cool to, to see and witness that. But I believe that they chose this, this area, not only because of the terrain and, you know, Mars is a very uh, volcanic planet there. You know, we have Olympus Mons, but we have, you know, they have probably, I think Mars has more volcanoes than Earth does. And so that would be something really realistic that we, that you would experience going out and, and witnessing and being a part of. And then actually the area that high seas is placed on is uh, an old area that was decommissioned. So they had already had um, something there, uh, like mining. I can't remember exactly what, what it was, but it was already an area that had had work done on it. And so they weren't going and you know, messing up any, any other, uh, other protected areas there. Nice. So it really provided uh, a really nice spot to get to. Um, but we still had to drive through. Oh, oh yeah. we definitely had a bumpy shuttle launch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> Was it very much a case of once you were in there, it felt like you'd arrived? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, from the second we shut the door and hit the airlock button and started pressurizing down to Martian uh, for from, you know, Martian to our habitat. And, you know, we do that every time going in and out. But it was just like, wow, this is dome sweet dome. We're here. Let's do this. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And and the weather came in while you were there as well, didn't it? You had to... Yeah, we were very fortunate our first week. We didn't have too much. Um, but yeah, we had quite a bit of dust storms uh, and they came in really quick. Uh, so, you know, we could see them off in the distance looking out the one window or uh, on any of our exterior cameras. And so we are like, you know, we were very fortunate that we had um, Michaela there with her experience to where she knows that cloud's good that cloud's not good. And so we could, we were able to understand it. So we didn't get caught out in anything, but yeah, it did kind of stink when um, one, you can't go outside, but two, you know, me being in charge of all of our life support, I'm like, Hey, uh, we have to unplug some stuff. And so making sure that we had our garlic knots made while we still had full power and everybody charge up and everything, your computers, uh, because we still have to work. Uh, And so um, luckily we didn't get into like any ultra power saving mode stuff to where, um, we're like huddled in blankets, uh, around one another. But yeah, we did have, we did have some experiences where we, you know, we really had to monitor that stuff and then you get stuck inside and the dreariness still kind of affects you. Like it does down here, down on earth where, you know, if, if it's rainy and icky outside, you're kind of like, Oh man. Uh, and so we tried to make the best of each of those days where we had dust storms. And, you know, like I've said numerous times, our crew was family. And so, you know, we all had our little uh, uh, ways of making each other laugh and supporting one another. And it, it was just, it, yeah, it was fun. 
So, um, Dave and I, uh, we've we've found out that they're opening applications for uh, other expeditions coming up very soon, and yes. within the obviously the next year. So, um, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's perhaps interested in filling in an application? I, I saw the application. And I, I don't. I can't do it unfortunately right now because I have other things during that time. But I, I might do it in the future. So, what kind of advice would you give? The advice that I give is do it. Like whenever <laughs> you have the opportunity, uh, give it a shot. And it doesn't matter what your experience level is. Uh, you know, if you're passionate and you have a way that you can make an impact, you are definitely capable and deserving of being there. You know, like we had talked before, Dave was like, oh, was this just like the best confidence booster? And I'm like, yeah, I was with two PhDs, two PhD candidates, and then here I am a teacher. But it was so cool because, you know, having all of these different people from different backgrounds, you really are able to help one another and, you know, fill in some of those gaps. That being said, I am not a cook. I, every time I try to cook, I hurt myself. Um, but, you know, I was like, I'm going to be a go-getter. Uh, so our very first meal, I'm like, okay, I'm going to cook this meal. Let's make some spaghetti. There were five people. Uh, I made enough pasta for one person. (laughs) So we realized that I'm not going to be a cook. Um, and so we are very, very lucky that we had, uh, Alicia and Serafina that enjoy cooking. Uh, and they had so much fun with it and with baking. I mean, we had mochi. We had brownies, we had garlic knots, like everything that we could find. They're like, oh, what can we do with this? And so I got to do dishes, um, <laughs> which really wasn't uh, incredible because that's me. it's the yuck bucket. You know, it's the three bucket system that we're using because we have to conserve water. And so, Ugh. you know, we're able to see what everybody's talents are. But yeah, no matter what your background is, if you have the passion, um, you can really make a difference. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind because I'm not a I'm not much of a cook either. So <laughs> somebody else, hopefully somebody would apply to that who's a cook. So yeah. And it's and it's really different too, because it's all freeze-dried food, right? And so that's right. Everything is like dehydrated. And so and especially if you are vegetarian, you have to find ways to get that protein. And so you you want to make sure that you're um, eating like beans and stuff like that. But again, all the beans are dehydrated. And so you have to let beans soak for like 36 hours before you can even think about cooking them. Oh, wow. So pasta, pasta, some more pasta. <laughs> I know a lot of them did not like the space noodles. I loved the space noodles. <laughs> Put some uh, chicken um, flavoring, like the bouillon on it. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> Porridge every morning for breakfast. I've never eaten porridge. I've always been like, but we made porridge every morning and it was jokes on what type of fruit we would put in it each day. And luckily we had lots of tea. We had lots of coffee. So (laughs) that, yeah, that was one of my first questions is, um, is there coffee and are we able to have coffee? (laughs) Now I know why uh, Alan Bean ate so much spaghetti because probably because that's what they had. That's probably what they had, you know, and uh, I think he yeah. liked it too, but still he probably, 
He's like, yeah, why not just do spaghetti, man? Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's easy. Spaghetti, yeah. rice, um, couscous. But they were, like I said, they were so creative. So they're like mixing things up and going with what we have. And, uh, you know, of course, too, where whatever you have there is what you have to eat. And that goes to show that you need to do very good inventories when you leave. Because whoever did the inventory before we got there did not. And they said that we had plenty of tomato paste left. And after that first night of spaghetti, we had no tomato paste oh, no. for the remainder of the mission. Oh, no. I would have left. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, bye. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I know so there's, we, a shop, there's a shop about 30 miles that way. I'm going. <laughs> we, we made it work. Um Definitely the first meal when we got back, we were all we we all went out to eat <laughs> together as a crew, and <laughs> we were like, "Give us all of the good food." <laughs> I'd be like, "Give me the steak with the with the baronese sauce oh. on it." Now we're you talking. know, like, yeah, give me something like that, just the most rich thing oh, you can yeah. find. Oh yeah, I had fish tacos, and oh, Ooh. it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now Emily's just got very excited. Yeah, hey, but but it's Tuesday, so it's taco night, yeah, right? Absolutely, it is taco night. It is taco night. Yeah, you saw my eyes like yeah. light up right then. Yeah, that you mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> In fairness, the diet you had on there sounds like my day to day life: porridge for breakfast, pasta for dinner. That's perfect. Yeah, that's does me very set, well. Let's exactly. Eat space. Let's exactly. <laughs> right. So. uh What's next then? You know, you, you, you're sitting there and you've got this uh, wonderful uh, flight jacket on with your name on and your and your crew patches. So where do you go from here? Um, and, I, you know, it's great for you to see uh, you get back and Dr. Cyan Proctor goes to space and she was on one of the first high seas missions. So you must be super inspired right now to keep going and, and keep pushing to become the next teacher in space, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, coming back and, uh, and we got, you know, we were able to talk a lot with um, Michaela while she was there, you know, about missions that um, Dr. Proctor was on and how her experiences have helped her. And, and, and yeah, to be like, so where I was, somebody that has been here just went on this mission or is going on this mission. and. Uh, yeah, that was definitely inspiring. I, I, I really want to do some more analogs. Uh, there are nice. a lot of different ones um, that I've been looking up. I'm trying to remember who it was that you had on like a week or two after me that I heard when I got back. Nicole? About- yes, Nicole. Um, stop with the um, Nemo mission. Yeah. Sign me up for that. Like, how can I do that? That sounds incredible. That's it like does, taking where I was to the next level because uh, you really do need the life support systems when you go outside. And I, I mean, it's important when we were in our suits and stuff too, because our, we were at like 8,000 plus foot elevation, you know, hiking and doing all that stuff already uh, in, a, in an environment where you're not quite used to is a lot. Um, but being under, under the sea and doing that, like sign me up anything that I can do to experience all of this. Uh, it's definitely left me hungry for more. Uh, I cannot wait to get into more opportunities like this and, and to really prepare for going to space. 
I will do it one way or another. I will go to space. There's not going to be any stopping me. Amazing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I believe. No, I believe it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, would you consider doing longer missions? How how long do you think you'd be comfortable doing in such a such a position? Um, I think I could do a longer mission. Um, you know, the ISS stints are about six months. I do think I could do that. They're they're busy all the time. You know, they have their daily routines. They have a ticker schedule. Whereas the red lines move, and they have to keep up with it. And so, I think having that structure would really help. With, with our mission, we were doing, um, you know, our different research and stuff like that. And so there was a little bit more downtime here and there. So, you know, we filled that with crew activities and getting to know each other, um, playing games, watching movies, cooking. Uh, that was a big thing. And um, going, going back to the food off of that with the freeze-dried food and why everything was freeze-dried and not the MREs through studies that they've been doing at high seas and different analogs, they realize how important that crew time is of getting together, cooking a meal because we ate every meal together. Uh, You know, we were around helping each other out and stuff while cooking, but psychologically that is something really important. And so that's why we had uh, the different things uh, that we could, you know, kind of concoct with the freeze dried foods instead of the um, MREs or like the um, meals ready to eat uh, where you just have to heat them up. And so that was really important. So some, some creativity still required basically and, and a bit of teamwork. Yeah. yeah but yeah. just, you know, having that time together is important. Some friendship. Um, mentally, you know, um, making sure you don't isolate is, is important. So I think, I think on a longer duration mission with the kind of higher ops tempo and like this is what we're doing every day you know in my experience in the military I kind of strive off of that you know my my students laugh at me anytime where we have like a irregular day whether it be you know from ACT testing or any of that stuff I'm like man I'm just what I'm like I need my every 45 minutes I know I'm getting a new set of students like I'm getting that recharge like I know what's going to happen and when that gets taken from me, I'm like, what's going on? I need my routine. <laughs> I understand totally. I'm sort of the same way. I work from home, but I still have like a set, like a schedule, mm-hmm. you know? And, and oh, yeah. I think, and I think my colleagues think that's really funny, but it's like, no, I gotta have like, I gotta, it's gotta, I, yeah, I totally get it. Oh yeah. If I had fall break last week and if I didn't have a schedule, I was like, so I couldn't be any different. <laughs> I couldn't be any more different. <laughs> I have to have something to do or else I'll go nuts type of person. So I'm trying to get away from that a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, I, I'm actually trying to get that. <laughs> like I'm and the see, other way around. Why we, that's why we'd be good as we a crew vibe. together is because we could kind of feed off each we other. In the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah and- meet in the middle. Although I would annoy the hell out of you. If we were on that under sea one, I would just be walking around all day long going, under the sea, <laughs> under the sea. I'd be Sebastian the Crab all week or however long we're <laughs> under there. I'd be talking in a French accent, probably getting in loads of trouble and thinking I'm a crab. And you'd have to deal with that. You'd have to deal with a six foot five <laughs> crab uh, for for two weeks, and that's why I will never get given a crew mission. Um, and I'm hoping that they open up solo space flight. 
I told people. You'd be, well, maybe you'll be surprised someday. Maybe they'll need that. Who knows? <laughs> Mister? Maybe they'll need SpongeBob, you know, a SpongeBob in, or something in space or something like that. Yes. I don't know. I will take that. <laughs> and, and Matt said that the taller ones are better for uh, the spacewalks and stuff. You got more leverage. So, you know, but 6'5", I don't know. That's pretty tall. That's like that's over big. a foot taller than me. I'm five three i'm tiny so i'm even i'm i i don't even want to say how tall i am i'm, I'm five one i'm five i'm five two when i'm lying when i'm lying so i'm you uh, i think my official height is five one and i lie to my driver's license so it says something else that's not Who doesn't? true Who doesn't? yeah like wow you're five four like no i'm not that tall that's one of the hard things about being in a high school is I get mistaken for a student uh, a yeah. lot because of how small I am. It's more of a low I, school for you, isn't it? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, when I um I used to teach and I I I actually did my um my final like my internship at a high school and everybody thought I was going there. <laughs> and then there were the people who thought I was the narc, like the one, you know, the cop, you know. So I was like, oh my god. Amazing. Amazing, right? Uh, anyway, Emily, have you got any other questions? No, I no, I don't. I just uh, I, I think that sounds like an amazing experience. Same. Uh, that it was absolutely incredible to hear about it. Uh, I, I maybe I'll I don't know. Maybe I'll do something like that in the future. Yeah, and I, I absolutely expect to see you in space one of these days, and uh, that'll be very exciting. I, I'll I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Don't forget us. Oh, never! I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll stream my uh, last man on the moon while I'm in space. Yes, yeah. awesome, yes. awesome, yes. awesome. Love it. All right, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. You know, I think it's a wonderful time for human spaceflight because I think we finally recognize that it's not worth going unless we go together. That it's important to not turn away any innovative idea, that everyone has a role and everyone has a place at the table as we move forward. If we're gonna go for all humanity and to support humanity's love for exploration, then we have to do it with all humanity. And I think we're seeing that as our plans unfold for going back to the moon, seeing the first woman walk on the moon in 2024, and just recognizing Recognizing that we have to go together if we're going to go and we're going to do it right. I, I need to sign up for one of those because that sounds to me that um, you, a lot of people are probably listening to this like, man, Emily's lost her dang mind. You know, why would she want to be locked, cooped up for two weeks or, you know, whatever. But it doesn't sound like it's being cooped up at all. It sounds like, a, I don't know, I've been at sea before. So and I think you're more cooped up on a ship at sea than you would be during this experience because you're with a small group of people. You kind of have to vibe well with that kind of environment and you get to do EVAs and stuff. So I'm like, I don't see that as, I see that as probably a more fun experience. I don't see that as particularly isolating. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I was quite lucky when 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 uh, Brittany was on her, her mission. She, I was one of the people she was emailing, and it was always wonderful to receive an email from her. And knowing knowing what she was up to was was great. And, and uh, every now and then she'd send over a photo, and seeing her in the suit and and out and about doing her work, it was just amazing. It was just so much fun experiencing it. And you know, she did talk. There were lows as well. There were highs and there were lows. Obviously, there will be when you do something like this. But I think those kind of experiences really help 
you build and grow as a person, right? Like you learn so much about yourself and, uh, I, I know it sounds cliche and, and, and a little bit bit corny perhaps, but I think they're really important things to do. And if, I, I think she's really lucky that she's she's bonded so well with her crew and that they've become lifelong friends. I mean, we, we know we know that doesn't always happen. Look at the Apollo Eleven crew, for example. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it doesn't always happen. Just because you're put in these tight situations doesn't mean it's gonna happen. And I know from touring, I know it's uh, very different because you can get away every now and then, but you don't really know someone until you've toured with them, is what we always say. Like you can be good friends with someone, then you tour with them, and you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. it, you learn a lot about yourself and the people that you're with and it stays with you. Those experiences stay with you. So I think I would love to do it. Uh, I don't think anyone would like to do it with me, but... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You seem... Yeah, I, I don't think you're as hard to get along with. I think it takes different types of people to make these kinds of thing, things work. Like, I think you need different... Like, people coming from different levels. Like, uh, when uh, I say absolutely. levels, I mean, like, people who have different styles of leadership and yeah different yeah. leadership styles different um levels of experience you know i think you sort of need that because if you have all the same kind of person working together that might not vibe as well like if you had oh my god if like gus grissom frank borman and buzz aldrin flew together they all would have shot each other okay because <laughs> yeah. they are they all would have died like it's it, you know they all would have died. It would have been like the death mission and they would have killed each other. <laughs> now, now, if you put like Frank with somebody like Jim Lovell, you know, then, okay, that, that works beautifully because Jim is sort of a different personality. You know, he's, he's got kind of a different personality from Frank and that, but it works somehow, you know, I, I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. about the, that. The old opposite, opposites yeah, attract you know, kind of vibe, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Jim's kind of more, you know, the, I, I wouldn't say outgoing, but sort of more, you know, more, I guess, fun, you know, whereas, you know, Frank is very like mission oriented. So I think you kind of need that in a way. If you had like the same type of people on the same mission, it, may, it might not end up well. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. You might want to just all murder each other near the end. <laughs> But that was a wonderful interview again, and uh, Brittany is wonderful. And and how lucky are her students? Just it's, it's we said it before, but to have to have a teacher who has gone to those lengths to to try and inspire you and show you practical applications for what you're learning, I just think it's wonderful. Not to not to diss my teachers in school. I had wonderful teachers in high school, but it's really cool when you have somebody who's does something very unique in the field and comes back and sort of shares their, you know, how cool their experience was. And it is inspiring. I, I think, you know, I, I know as a high schooler, I was, you know, you're a teenager. I was very impressionistic. So I was very lucky. I think I had really excellent teachers and um, they really, you know, they did impress on me a lot of good things. And I, I th and I do credit them with a lot of, you know, what I, what I did as an adult. So definitely, I, I think this is a great experience, not obviously not just for her, but to carry on for her students as well. Yeah. When I was at music school, my favorite teachers were the ones that were all like, 
high pro guitar players had worked with loads of different people and we'd have a set lesson structure we were supposed to be doing and then you just kind of ask them a question about oh what was was it like that time you you opened up for prince oh well that was a great story and then they'd just like go off and, and tell you this epic story about how prince broke a string and threw his guitar at the roadie and run across the stage and jumped across the piano and played it upside down and and those kind of things were just amazing like you could get people talking about those stories and and by the end of I was my time at music school, the new teachers that were coming in had none of those experiences. They'd just done the degree that I was doing. I was like, what? I don't want to learn from them. I can learn guitar on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> but it's those, it's those other experiences that I was thriving on and, and loving, you know. And, and, and yes, it's music. But uh, I think to have a teacher like Brittany who's, who can bring, uh, bring that, that flavour of, hey, I, I, I've done this and I, I look, here's me in an EVA suit and uh, working on this thing, which I'm holding for you right here. And here's how it worked in real life. Here's a video of it. Just that's priceless, absolutely priceless. Yeah, and hopefully it's going to inspire those kids. Absolutely, I think that's really important. You know, nowadays, especially you know, things haven't been easy in the last couple of years, and I think it's really important. You know, I don't think a lot of teenagers have had it particularly easy. You know, I I, I can't speak for what it's like in the United Kingdom. I, I doubt it's been much better over there. So yeah. I think it's really important, especially right now, to get get the kids you know pumped up again about life you know and and doing things because you know we we've got to we've got to do it we've you know i honestly believe you know that's the generation you know that the teenagers are probably the generation that'll go to mars you know i'll probably be in my hope hopefully i'll be alive but i'll probably be you know an old lady looking from the sidelines which is fine but you know i really believe you know they're the ones who are going to be doing this someday probably or hopefully doing this You know, so we got to, we got to get them excited about it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So if uh, you want to watch the full unedited version of that, which includes a a dog called Rocket, um, the the video is is up on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash space and things. And of course, in the show notes, we'll have links to Brittany's social media. uh, And I'm sure we'll be putting some uh, photos up as well on our own social media of her time uh, at the High Seas Mission. And of course, if you want to get involved with High Seas and do your own analog mission, there'll be links for that as well. And so on to this week's news stories. And as predicted, we had a mad rush of launches. Uh, two last Thursday on the 14th of October, one from Russia and one in China, uh, putting some more satellites into orbit. Check the show notes for more details on those. And then there were two launches, which we're going to actually talk a little bit about now. On Friday, the 15th of October, the China Aerospace Science and Industrial Corporation, or CASC, as we keep telling you, uh, There'll be a pop pub quiz at some point, and I'm expecting all of you to get that one correct. Well, they launched three <laughs> Taikonauts on board a Long March 2FG rocket to Tianhe-1, the first module of the new Chinese space station, which launched earlier this year. They're the second crew to fly to the station, and they feature Commander Zi Xingang, Wang Yapin, and Yi Gangfu. I don't reckon I've said any of those correctly, so... Uh Moving swiftly on. 
It's the eighth crewed mission in Chinese spaceflight history. When you put that into context, it's really quite something what they've done. Their seventh and eighth crewed missions are space station missions. Like when you, historically, when you think like that, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? It is because yeah, I think our our seventh and eighth uh, missions were not even. We were just trying to figure out how to like rendezvous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like we just want to meet up, you know, yeah, yeah. and figure that out, you pretty, know. When p- pretty sure the seventh mission was just figuring out if a corned beef sandwich will survive in space. Exactly. Yeah, we were, <laughs> you know, trying to just figure out how to switch, you know, change orbits and yeah. things. And yeah, it was very sequential steps, you know, like, okay, we're going to try to do this on this mission and then try to advance a little bit on the next one. It was very, yeah, so that's incredible that they're, that they've even been able to do this. Uh, my hat's off to them that they've been able to. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Looking forward to more updates on that mission. Yes. Early in the morning on Saturday, October the 16th, the United Launch Alliance, or ULA, launched an Atlas V rocket carrying the Lucy spacecraft for NASA. Uh, this mission is quite something. I, I did see it, the launch a little bit from here. I, I didn't really get the best view from my view, uh, vantage point. It's going on a 12-year mission to visit two different groups of asteroids around Jupiter known as Trojans. Uh, it is hoped that visiting these unexplored swarms will give us some answers on how the gas or the giant planets formed as these asteroids are considered to be uh, perfectly preserved time capsules, essentially uh, leftover fragments of the early solar system. Now, the uh, mission will see the spacecraft coasting for six years around the solar system and swinging around the Earth twice to build up speed to reach Jupiter, flying by uh, eight different asteroids. Uh, the launch went well, however, there does appear to be a small problem with the solar panels. A tweet from NASA's Associate uh, Administrator for Science, Thomas Zubrocken, I think I got his name right. Sounds good. Said, NASA's Lucy mission is safe and stable. The two solar arrays have deployed, but one may not be fully latched. The team is analyzing data to determine next steps. The team has overcome many challenges already, and I'm confident they will prevail here as well. So let's hope they get that sorted out. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will. Apparently, uh, they're not they're not concerned that it will affect the mission either way. Well, that's what they're they're reporting anyway. But yeah, this this mission is crazy, absolutely nuts. And uh, I look forward to hearing uh, updates through the next twelve years. It's just right? nuts, isn't it? I know. I'm like, uh, I'll be 55 when it finally gets to its destination. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yuck. Okay. There's a there's a great graph uh, which shows the mission plan. In, in like a map form, obviously uh, kind of not to scale or all of that kind of thing, but it's wonderful to see these loops of how it's going to loop around, back around the earth and then near the, you know, use different gravitational methods to, to move maneuver itself around. It's crazy what this is doing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's I love, I, I don't know. I love missions like that, that, you know, it's like they have these sort of, I don't, I don't know if it's complex, but they get a gravity boost from, you know, going around other places. So that's, I just love it. That's really cool. A little bit like Bepi Colombo recently with using Venus yeah. to get closer to Mercury. Just amazing. Or Voyager doing the grand yeah, tour, you absolutely. know, and them having sort of that one limited window to be able to do that. You yeah. Know? It's so cool. Yeah, the planning. I can't even imagine how they get around planning. Anyway, closer to Earth, the International Space Station crew has said goodbye to actress Yulia Peresild and film producer Klim Shimpenko as they returned home in the Soyuz MS-18 spacecraft with Cosmos 
with cosmonaut Oleg Novitsky. The departure of the MS-18 also marks the end of Expedition 65 and the start of Expedition 66 on the station, which will be led by Tomar Pesquet, who posted a wonderful tribute to his departing crewmates, which I will be putting within the show notes. Uh, I'm now looking forward to the release of the film, which will be called Challenge. Uh, it's absolutely crazy that they've done this. Um, however, just before they departed, the Soyuz MS-18 decided to not play by the rules after the flight controllers fired up the vehicle's thrusters in a planned pre-departure test. They decided to carry on firing for a few minutes in another incident similar to the one earlier this year that saw the new Nauka module was docked. This time the station had a loss of attitude control, but within 30 minutes apparently everything was back to normal. NASA were keen to point out that the crew were not in any danger during this time, but second time this has happened in a few months. Not good. That's not good, yeah. It's just not good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say other than yeah. that. That kind of that kind of sucks. Okay. Yeah. Back on Earth, after all the drama with Virgin Galactic this year, the company announced that their next flight will now not take place this year. The company had been testing some materials to prepare for the next flight, and one such test, and I quote, uh, flagged a possible reduction in strength margins of certain materials used to modify specific joints, and this requires further physical inspection. Uh, they go on to say, uh, while this new lab data has no impact on the vehicles, our test flight protocols have clearly defined strength margins and further analysis will assess whether any additional work is required to keep them at or above established levels. They haven't given a target date yet, but this news certainly cost, uh, caused there to be a uh, drop in their stock price. Yeah, quite a dramatic one as well. If you're someone who speculates on such a thing, uh, you probably had a bad week. But um, yeah, I, it kind of doesn't surprise me this story at all. But uh, I hope I hope they they fix it and and get back on track. Yep. Absolutely. And finally, some good news. On Sunday, the 17th of October, a crew of 12 disability ambassadors successfully completed a weightless flight above California. The flight took place on Zero Gravity Corporation's G-Force One plane, great name, which flies in a series of parabolas to recreate weightlessness. Uh, the 12 ambassadors of Astro Access included people with mobility, vision and hearing disabilities, and they conducted a variety of experiments. Uh, the long-term hope is obviously to prove that space is a place for all, an idea which Emily and I are very keen to promote. Yeah, one of the uh, people on the flight was a, a friend of mine who uh, is on a Talking Space podcast at Sawyer Rosenstein. Ah, oh, nice. And, yeah, yeah, um, great podcast. Yeah, and he's uh, he's paralyzed, and he uh, I think he said he, I was able to stand up for the first time since I was 12. And I, I oh that, my God. wow. Yeah, that's incredible, and I'm so happy that he got to experience that. And we really, on this podcast, um, we're really advocates for space for everybody, and I, I'm really hoping we see more people, you know, like Sawyer and like, you know, Haley Arsenault, who went up to space last month. You know, I, I hope we see more of that in in orbital space flight to show that people can do this. You know, it, it just because, you know, you might not have something, you know, that a NASA astronaut might have, you know, it doesn't mean you can't do this kind of job. 
You know? Absolutely. And and obviously, earlier on this year, we spoke about the fact that ESA have opened up uh, a candidate position for someone with a disability as well, which, uh, uh, you know, is further proof that um, we're moving towards that uh, and that this can happen. And, and I, hope, I hope it happens quickly. Yep, me too. Absolutely. One thing that I'm really excited about that I'm bringing to space is this old picture of me. This is when I was 10 years old and going through bone cancer treatment. And so when I'm in space, I'm gonna pull this photo out and you know, now getting to be in space, my hair is gonna float everywhere, but yet hold this old picture of me and show all my patients, all these kids going through cancer treatment around the world that there's a future, that it gets better and I'm excited to be part of it. That's all we've got for this week. We hope you've enjoyed episode 60. Wow, I can't believe we're up to 60 episodes. Uh, That is awesome. Uh, Thank you to all who have been sharing the podcast with your friends. It's been great to see people post photos of their pins, patches, and t-shirts over the last week. And we assure you that posts like that do make a huge difference, and new people do find us as a result. Um, it really does mean a lot. If you're new here, we hope you stick around for a while and we've got a lot of exciting shows planned for you. We absolutely do. And uh, if you want to get a t-shirt pin or a patch, and, uh, just head over to our website. They're all there. and uh, or, or just sign up to our Patreon page as well, as we mentioned earlier. Anyway, it's it certainly is all happening here right now at Space and Things HQ as we plan for the next few months. But right now, don't forget that in space, no one can hear you stream. Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.